If you've been watching the news lately, uh, you've heard about this rain that they've had up in South Carolina primarily. They're calling it the thousand-year rain. I don't think it's gone on that long. I think that's just what they're calling it. But huge floods, huge floods, displaced just tons of people. The damage, they said, it's going to take years to rebuild. And it's in the middle of storms that we see God's presence is when we need him, isn't it? I mean, it's in the middle of those situations, and I'm not just talking about the physical storms. I'm talking about the storms that we go through in life where we don't know what to do. And there's two people that we're going to be talking about today who are dealing with these kind of situations. The first one is named Jairus. He's a priest. He's a pastor at a church back when Jesus was leading in a synagogue. And the other lady is a woman who's been, for 12 years, has been sick. She's got a, a sickness in her body. And she's facing a challenge. And these two stories intersect in an amazing time where Jesus ministers to the life of both people. And as I was preparing this this week and looking through the notes and listening to messages and getting ready, it really struck me because I knew about this guy named Jairus and his daughter. And I knew about the woman who had this issue of blood for 12 years. But I never realized or never thought about that their stories actually intersected. And I want to tell you today, there is hope for you regardless of whatever situation you're facing. There's hope. And Jesus deals with two different people. And understand today, he deals with the priest. And and how many of you have read the Bible? Who did Jesus tend to have problems with? As a priest, it was the religious people, wasn't it? And so here comes this religious leader from this group that's been giving him a hard time. So this guy comes. So he's at one end of the spectrum. And then on the other end of the spectrum is this woman who has this issue of blood. And understand this disease that she had made her unclean. She wasn't supposed to be around anybody. She was supposed to be away from everybody. The Bible tells us she spent her entire fortune basically bankrupted herself trying to get better and the bible tells she only got worse so she's at the other end of the spectrum she's an outcast and yet jesus deals with both these people and the reality is today for most of us we fall somewhere in between these two people so let's watch what jesus does amen look in your notes chapter 5 of Mark. We're going to read verses 21 through 42, and then I'll have some thoughts for you. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue, synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, and he pleaded earnestly with him, and he said, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hand on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Jesus immediately says, okay, let's go. And so they're on their way, understand, they're on their way to go see Jairus' daughter who's dying. A large crowd followed and pressed around Jesus, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, and she had spent all that she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And let me stop here. Both of these people have heard about Jesus' power to heal people. They both have heard this. The religious leader Jairus has heard this. This sick woman has heard this. So both of these people, out of their desperation, are seeking Jesus. 
Immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and he said, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, the disciples said. Yet who can, why can you ask who touched me? In other words, Jesus, there's people all around you. Everybody's touching you. Everybody's bumping into you. But Jesus says, no, this is different. This is different. Power has left me. In other words, somebody touched me in faith. Somebody touched me in faith. But Jesus kept looking to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet. And look at this. And trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking Some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and they said to him, Your daughter is dead. They said, Why bother the teacher anymore? Jairus, your daughter's died. Leave Jesus alone. It's too late. Stop bothering Jesus. It's too late. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid. Just believe. Circle that in your notes. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Jesus did not let anyone else follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw that there was a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. And Jesus went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. And what happened? What did the crowd do? They laughed at him. How many of you know laughing at Jesus is not something you would recommend? (laughs) Notice the next scripture. I love this. (laughs) After he put them all out, (laughs) how did that go over with Jesus? This is one of those scriptures where you have to read between the lines. I actually laughed when I read this because it says, after he put them out. Do you think Jesus said, I wish you'd all go outside? (laughs) What do you think Jesus said? (laughs) Get out. Then we see this amazingly compassionate moment of the love, the mercy, and the healing power of God. Watch this. These parents are at the pit of despair. Watch. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and they went in where the child was. He took her by the hand, and he said to her, Talitha Kaum, which means... Little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. Just an interesting side note. Notice the girl was 12 years old. The woman who was, had the bleeding in her body had for 12 years. So the same amount of time this girl had been alive, this other woman had been, issuing with this, had been dealing with the sickness in her body. It's an amazing story. 
But there's some depth here that we can miss if we just don't go into it. And there's a danger, guys. There's a danger when we just grab a scripture, but we don't look at the context of what goes around it. Sometimes we'll just grab a scripture and we don't realize the story and the detail and the humanity of a lot of the things that are building up to something. And there's nothing wrong with just grabbing a scripture. But when you study, I want to encourage you, read before and read after. Because when I saw this... It really impacted me hard because there's two huge things going on here. Jairus is in crisis. He's in a hurricane. His daughter is dying. He's a priest. He doesn't know what else to do. But he's heard about this healer, this Jesus. And he says, if I could just get to Jesus. And then there's this woman who's locked up in her house, unclean, and she hears about Jesus. And I want you to imagine, she's like, I've done everything I can do. Doctors have done everything they can do. And now I'm at this place, and she is desperate. These are two desperate people. Two desperate people. But the solution to their problem is the same. It's get into the presence of God. Get into the presence of God. They both know that that's the answer. They both recognize that. Look at number one on your notes. You need to be desperate to get to Jesus. You need to be desperate to get to Jesus. You know, one of the things I've learned being a shepherd now, a real-life sheep, is that they, they have interesting habits, these sheep. And sometimes it's really funny. If you get behind them and chase them a little bit, invariably, sooner or later, one of them just falls over. They just fall down. And I'm like, I don't know how they vote to decide who that is. <laughs> but, but you'll be with them, and all of a sudden, one of them will just go, mm, blunk, and they fall over. This is the worst tactic for getting away I've ever seen in my life. I think they actually do vote. They go, okay, Frank, it's your turn. Um, whenever we get chased, you lay down, sacrifice yourself for the good of the rest of us, you know. And it, it's interesting to me. They give up. And I think many times we do that with God. Is that we're in a desperate situation, but instead of pressing in, we just give in to the storm. We just say, well, I'm in a hurricane, and that's what hurricanes do, and, and I just got to deal with it. And that's not what my Bible says. My Bible says when you're desperate, come to Jesus. Notice, he didn't turn away either of these people. The religious leader from the party of the people that were after him, he loved him. And the lady who was considered unclean by everybody around her loved them both equally. And he loves you the same way. But when you're going through times of testing, when you're going through hurricanes, when you're going through trials, you need to understand something. The only safe place in a hurricane is in the eye of the storm. It's in the middle of it. And there can be a storm going around you, and you may even be visibly see it, or may visibly see it. But if you will draw close to Jesus, he can help you, and he can be the peace in the middle of chaos going on around you. But you have to choose to do that. You have to choose to do that. Listen to this statement. I love this. This is by Tim Keller. You don't really know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Jairus had done everything he could do for his daughter. He had exhausted all the resources, all the options, and he knew it was going to take a miracle. This woman had done the exact same thing. She had paid all of her money, had given everything to get better. They are both desperate. 
What they don't realize or maybe don't fully realize is Jesus was all that they needed. And I want to tell you right now, you need to make the decision now that you're going to stay close to Jesus because storms are going to happen. You're going to encounter hurricanes. And and the, the big deal is how are you going to respond when it happens? How are you going to respond when it happens? And these people have figured it out. I just need to be close to Jesus. You know, I love Psalm 23. It says, the Lord's my shepherd and he leads me beside quiet waters and good pastures and, and he goes before us. And, and the key there is staying close to him, is it not? And these people have recognized, I need to be close to Jesus. But there's something else you have to do. You've got to be desperate to get to him, but then you have to stay. Look at number two. Stay in his presence regardless of the circumstances. Imagine this for, for a moment. I want you to see this because I believe this is true. It's in the scripture here. Jairus goes and he seeks Jesus, right? And he finds Jesus and Jesus says, I'll come. This is good news. Hope. And on their way, the big crowd on their way to Jairus' house, this woman steps out of the crowd and touches the hem of Jesus' garment. And Jesus does what? He stops. And he turns around. And all of a sudden he's looking for this woman and they identify who this woman is. You need to understand something here. Do you think Jairus probably knew who this woman was? You bet. Everybody in town knew who this woman was. She's been sick 12 years. And I don't know about you, but if I'm Jairus and my daughter's dying and I came to get Jesus, this is a problem. Jesus, look, she's been sick 12 years. A couple more hours is not going to be a big deal. Jesus, look, one more day. I mean, come on, Jesus. My, my daughter, she's dying right now. And the Bible tells us he, he not only heals this woman, but then God, guess what? He begins to speak to the crowd. I mean, all of a sudden, Jesus is sermonizing. I mean, you're going, what in the world's going on? You notice something, though? This is awesome. Jairus never says a word. He watches what happens. I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to be honest. Have you ever seen God bless somebody or do a miracle for somebody else and it made you mad? You, 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 look, you say, God, man, you are quiet. <laughs> you, you, you see God do something cool for somebody else and then you go, why did you help that knucklehead? Lord, you know them. <laughs> why are you blessing them and why am I going through this? Why, why am I dealing with all this and you're over there? And, and I can almost see Jairus going, God. But then the worst happens. While this is going on, the worst possible news as a parent happens. Jairus, I'm sorry. She's dead. Don't bother Jesus anymore. It's too late. It's too late. But Jesus overhears this, and he turns around, and he walks up to Jairus, and he goes, Don't be afraid. Just believe. 
Now, Jairus could have had a lot of responses. The first thing that could have happened is when he got the news, Jesus is over here talking to these other people, I'm out. I'm going to comfort my wife. I'm going to see my daughter quickly before they bury her because it's an unclean deal and they're just going to, and, and, and I don't have time for this. But he doesn't. He, st- he stays there. What about you? I mean, Carrie, you know. What about you? What do you do when the news is not good? What do you do when you go, well, I've been coming to church and, and now it's gotten hard. And what do you do when you don't get the answer that you think you need? What do you do? Do you run away? What, what do you do? Jairus does what we're supposed to do. I don't understand, but I'm staying right here. Because the only hope is Jesus. And it's the same for me and you. It's the same for me and you. But I want you to understand something else here. Listen to this. This is a big thought of the day. Sometimes when it seems like everything is falling apart, things are actually falling into place. Say it again. Sometimes when it seems like everything is falling apart, things are actually falling into place. It's a guy named Todd Mullins wrote that. I think it's genius because it's true. You don't know what God knows. You don't see what God sees, and God's timing is perfect, but it usually makes us really uncomfortable. Lord, I need your help, and yesterday would be awesome. Lord, I need your help, but if you would do this, I mean, I know some of y'all, and and y'all are the ones that go, God, I need your help, but I know you're busy, so here's my list. (laughs) I've even written out what you should do. To make it easy on you, you don't have to think about it. That's not the way he works, gang. See, he's up to something. And I believe something else happened to Jairus while he was standing there. He watched a miracle happen. He watched it happen. And he knew the only hope for his daughter was in that man from Galilee. And so it should encourage you. When you see God blessing other people, you need to be thankful You need to be grateful. You need to recognize God is no respecter of persons. And if he will help them, he will help me. And it should stir you up. But you have to choose how you're going to respond to that. You have to choose how you're going to respond to that. And Jairus did the not right thing. And I'm just going to say this. This isn't in your notes, but it's probably the best part of the sermon. I'm going to go ahead and recommend this to everyone here. Buy yourself a roll of duct tape. Take it with you everywhere you go. And before you open your big mouth (laughs) and start griping at Jesus, duct tape that bad boy. Cut a hole so you can breathe. But I mean, you know, Jairus did the right thing here. He was grieving, but he didn't say the wrong thing. He just stayed there. Amen? Look at number three. Invite Jesus into your home. Invite Jesus into your home. Joshua 24, verse 15 says this, But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And there's an understood here that what he's saying is no matter what. We're going to serve the Lord no matter what. No matter if he answers this the way I think he should or not. No matter if the situation turns out the way I think it should or not. I'm going to trust God in this situation regardless of what I think or what I feel. 
I'm going to trust God's word. I'm going to trust his word. I put this in your notes. Transformation starts at home, and you must decide how you're going to respond. You must decide. And here's the other thing you need to do. When you decide that you're going to do things God's way, you need to kick out disbelief. There's a reason that Jesus didn't leave all those people in the room that were laughing at him. And, And I want to tell you something right now, guys. When you're going through a trial, when you're going through a crisis, you need to watch who you bring around you. You need to watch and see who's speaking into your life. Because if you're going through a trial and people come up and go, oh, honey, bless your heart, that's terrible. Yeah, just bless you. I mean, this is a horrible. I I bet you just want to die, don't you? I don't blame you. I mean, look at your situation. If I were you, I'd just jump off a cliff. Or people agreeing with, uh uh-uh. You don't need people like that. You need to get people around you that can speak faith. You need to get people around you that understand God's word. I mean, let me ask you this question. Do you want people to pray for you that kind of have faith or really have faith? Yeah. Well, let me ask you this way. How many of you go to the doctor and tell him what to do? Jamie, that's see? Totally outed his wife out. I knew there was going to be somebody. Yeah, me too. There you go. I appreciate the honesty around the room. Isn't it funny when we do that? My sister-in-law, and I said I wasn't going to do it, Marty, but I went on and did it. My sister-in-law is that way. She's brilliant. She, I don't know what her IQ is. It's off the chart. But she is literally one. I don't even know why she goes to the doctor. I mean, she goes in the doctor and goes, okay, these are my symptoms. This is what is going on. I slept at a Holiday Inn Express last night. I don't know what it is. But she feels like she knows. And so she ends up just telling the doctor, these are the prescriptions I need. I mean, maybe he should pay her for coming. I don't know. It seems backwards to me. But, but, but that's what we do with God a lot of times is we, we self-diagnose what's going on. And then we tell Jesus what he needs to do. And we're surprised when he doesn't do the things that we think he should the way he does them. When you go to a great physician, when you go to an expert, you want to listen to his opinion. Your opinion probably doesn't mean a whole lot, does it? And so Jairus keeps his mouth shut. And we need to do the exact same thing. But you need to kick out disbelief. You need to keep people away from you that are going to speak death into the situation you're in instead of life. There's a a quote that somebody's made. It's some guy named Unknown. I don't know who he is, but that's funny. You don't know who he is. Um, Feed your faith and your disbelief will starve to death. Feed your faith and your disbelief will starve to death. But notice it starts with you. Could Jairus have said, it's okay, Jesus, you don't need to come? Could he have done that? Yeah, Jesus, it's too late, I'm sorry. Do you think Jesus would have fought him for this? I don't think so. Jairus invites Jesus into his home. And they get to participate in a miracle. And you need to understand something. What you think... What you think is God being slow in his timing is actually God wanting to do a work in your life, and you need to trust his process. And I don't know about you guys, but I have a hard time with that. I am very impatient, and I've gotten better, 
but I'm a very impatient person. I want everything done yesterday. But I've learned that if I will sit back and let God do his thing, and I know some of you struggling with jobs and the different things that you've done and maybe in relationships, whatever the situation is, and you're like, God, why won't you fix this now? But you need to understand God is working on something. And this is where you have to really trust him. This is where your faith has to really get in. You go, God, look at my kids. What are you going to, I mean, God, when are you going to, and you need to understand, he knows what he's doing. He has a plan. And your job is to trust him. But sometimes we extend the time that we're supposed to be healed because we don't listen to him. I remember when I was a kid, I was playing football in the backyard and, and, one of my buddies was running by me with a ball, and I reached out and grabbed his shirt. When I grabbed his shirt, I stopped, but my finger didn't. It's this one that's kind of, you know. And, and, but I was also playing football on the team, and I didn't like having this big cast on there, so I took it off a couple weeks early because I knew better. I mean, I'm 13. I know everything. <laughs> and I didn't let it heal properly, and it healed, but it was kind of pointing that way. So now if I ever look at you and you go, why is he pointing over there? It's because his finger's crooked. <laughs> Because, thank you, Miles. Miles goes, boom, boom. <laughs> but the reality is I thought I knew better than the doctor, and it prolonged my healing, and now I have to live with the fact that I didn't do what he said. And we need to understand God has our best interest at heart, but it's his timing and not yours. And there is peace in trusting the great shepherd. There is peace in the middle of the storm. If we stay close to him. And when they did that, they were able to witness God raising their daughter from the dead. They were able to see that, but they invited him in. Amen? Let's look at the last point. Let Jesus speak life over your home. Let Jesus speak life over your home. Jesus used these words, they're Aramaic. Talitha Kaum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. And I want to say to you guys today, we need those kinds of words spoken in our life. We want to hear Jesus say, get up. Get up and walk. Get up. Be free. Get up. But we have to trust his timing. We have to trust his timing. And, and one of the things that happens that I see so many times in the lives of people is that we trust God for a little bit, and then we jump over here for a little bit. And we trust God for a little bit, and we jump over here. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And we jump back and forth. And what happens a lot of times when we do that is we prolong the healing process. We prolong what God wants to do because we keep going back and forth, and, and we're all over the place, and we never get fully well. And it takes longer. Instead of just being still, instead of just trusting God in the process. And we have to learn to do that. To be patient with him. And allow him to work out in our lives what he needs to work out. And I want to say this to you today because this is for somebody. Some of you are in your job going, have I just had a better job? If I just had a better, whatever, but a lot, there, I'm telling you, there's this thing. It's if I just had a better job, and, and I want you to know this. God wants to bless you where you are, and you need to do your best where you are. You need to be faithful where you are, and then he will promote you. 
but you need to be faithful. And you say, well, my boss doesn't recognize what I'm doing in my effort. Your boss <laughs> recognizes what you're doing and your effort. And you may be where you are because your boss recognizes that you're not ready yet. This is truth, guys. Because when nobody else is watching, God is. And he is more interested in your character than he's interested in your comfort. And he will promote you at the right time. But you've got to wait on him. And you've got to do your absolute best where you are. Do you understand? That's, I'm telling you, that's for somebody. So you need to receive that. And trust God. And you be the best worker they've ever seen. Amen? Amen. That's for somebody. That's good. Thank you, Lord. So the best place to be in the hurricane is the eye of the storm, and it's staying close to Jesus. It's staying close to him. For some of you, if you feel like you're just going to come in and try church out and then jump out, that's not going to help you. You've got to stick with him and then watch him work and watch him do things. I talked to some people this morning. It was so encouraging. After service, they said, man, we've been coming here to church for a while, and it's awesome. We see our life changing. But it takes time. And, and we have to stick close to him and give him an opportunity to work on us and work in our hearts. But if we'll do that, he'll change us and make us the kind of people that we never dreamed we could be because he wants to do that. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, and I love the simplicity of the gospel. This is not complicated. Lord, this is not too hard for us to understand. This is an amazing spiritual truth that you're showing us, that it's just be close to you and let you do your thing. But Father, I know I speak for myself and others in this room. Sometimes we get in the way. We think we know better than you. Lord, sometimes we get impatient and we try to think, make things happen and, and it turns into a bigger mess. And Father, I just pray like we've learned the last few weeks that we would just pray and listen and obey and be still. Lord, help us to learn to be like Jairus where we just trust you. And if we will trust you, if we will trust you in your perfect timing, you're going to bring about the miracle that we need. Oh, this is such a word for us today. Lord, help us to be patient. Help us to trust you. Even when we don't understand, help us to trust you. Lord, even when the storm rages around us, help us to trust you. Even when we don't get the answer we think we want in the timing that we want, Lord, help us to trust you because you are God and you love us and you have our best interest at heart. Help us to be still. Some of you are here today, and I know you're like me. Maybe you try to work it out or make it happen or force God's hand, or maybe you have lost faith. Some of you maybe have lost faith, and you're like, God, I need your help, but I don't know. You're in good company. But he is merciful, and he is gracious, and he loves you so much. And I would say to you today what he said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. Just believe. If you're here today, 
Everybody's praying. This is a time for you, your relationship with God. If you find yourself right now in the middle of that storm and you just need that peace, you just need to trust Him, you want to make that commitment to Him that says, God, I'm going to stay close to you no matter what. I just want you to get up and come down here to the front. Stand in front of me. I want to pray for you. Just get out and come down and and we're just going to pray. This This is a safe place. This is a place of hope and faith. It's not a place of judgment. We're not here to judge you. We're here to be a friend to you. Amen. What I want you to do, if you're still sitting out there, I want you to pray for folks that are up here that God would intersect them right now. That in an act of faith, they've stepped up here. And so I want you to pray that God will intersect them. Amen. Pray. Lord, I come and I confess Bowing here, I find my rest And without you, I fall apart You're the one that guides my heart
He loves us so much. He loves us so much. And I want to encourage you in this before you leave today. Surround yourself with people that encourage and build up your faith. Amen? And here's the other part. I can look around this room and I see miracles. I know different people. I've seen. I know God's done miracles in your life. You need to be encouraging other people. You need to the person going to folks that you know are going through challenges and saying, God did this for me and he can do this for you. Amen? You need to be the person that builds them up. You need to be the person shining light into their life and, and ministering to those folks. I'm telling you, there's people that ought to be dead that are, walk, that are in here today that God's done a miracle in their life, and he can do it. Amen? This is not some pie-in-the-sky thing. Talked to a family this morning in first service. Daughter's sick, grew up in a, in a denomination that they don't believe that God still does miracles. So the parents called him and said, you need to pray over your family. He doesn't even like to pray. But he did, and he got his family together. This was just a couple days ago. Got his family together and prayed for the daughter who was sick. She was instantly healed. Isn't that awesome? You say, Pastor, how does that work? Well, I talked to another gentleman that had a, a family whose daughter was dying little baby and the father of the family told the pastor of the church that if you show up on my property I will shoot you and he drove by their house knew this daughter was sick and dying little baby and he said what kind of pastor am I if I don't go and he showed up at that house and there stood the guy with the shotgun he said I told you not to come over he said I'm not here for you I'm here to pray for that little girl father stood out of the way he went in there he said, I did the quickest prayer you've ever seen in your life. True story. He said, I got in my car and I left really fast. He said, the next Sunday I looked out and there was a whole roll of that family, including the father. He said, he and I never talked about it. God healed that baby. He does it. So here's the deal. He's still in the miracle working business, guys. And those of you that have received that need to give that. Those of you that need it need to surround yourself with people who have had it. Amen? Let's all stand this morning. I'm going to go ahead and pray over lunch. So y'all don't wait on me. Y'all go ahead and go back there whenever it's ready and eat. Remember, it's donation only, so just contribute whatever you want to. I hope you guys know you're loved. Some of you, even though you don't deserve it, but you know who you are. I'm not pointing fingers, Dennis, but you know what I mean. God loves you, and we love you very much, and we just want to see God move in your life. That's it. We just want to see you be the people that God's called you to be. Jesus said, I came to give you life and a life abundantly, a life worth living, and he wants that for you. You just got to give him an opportunity. Father, I pray you'd bless us today. Lord, move in our hearts. Father, I pray that as we go and leave some folks to go off and have lunch and some to come back here and eat, Lord, that you would bless this food to our bodies and and our fellowship today. Lord, let there be life and love and hope and laughter, a life worth living. Lord, help us to shine like the lights you created us to be and point people to you. 
In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. High five three people. Tell them God loves them. Y'all get out of here.